0: Okay, come with me to Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasins, which is opposite Galilee. Verse 27, when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. I'm sure you're familiar with the story and I'm sure you've read the story so many times. And the Holy Spirit is leading us to do a series on spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare starting with mastering your mind, starting with winning your mind. Because every spiritual warfare is in our mind. Every spiritual warfare, where is it? It's in our mind. So if you don't win the mind, if you don't win the mind, we, we will not experience the victory that we are meant to experience. So one thing I, I want to I want to remind you even before we understand about spiritual warfare that yes we are fighting demons and devils and principalities of darkness and the power of darkness but we are not fighting for victory, we are fighting from victory, it's two different things, we are not fighting for victory, we are fighting from victory, it's like my friend said, it's like a cricket match Where the results are already fixed. It's fixed. The match is fixed. The match is fixed because our elder brother Jesus has already won the victory for us. So we are just playing the game just for the fun of it. Just for the fun of it. Just to enjoy the game. Isn't it beautiful? Just imagine. You are playing the game. You already know that you won it. No matter you get out, you hit a 6. You know that you won the game. But you are just playing for the fun of it. So spiritual warfare need not be so, you know, need not be so intense. Oh, I need to be, I need to do this, I need to do that, you know. Spiritual warfare should be, it should, it starts on the premise of resting in God. Starts on the premise of knowing that Christ has done it all and we are victorious in Christ. It starts from a place of victory. Starts from a place of victory. Do we have to fight? Yes. Yes. But it starts from a place of victory. Amen? Okay. Now this story is about how Jesus comes to this land of Gerasenes and he meets this man who has many demons. Not one demon. Many demons. Many demons. This man man is tormented in his mind. Right? He's tormented in his mind. See, demons have no power over you unless you Tell them yes, they cannot enter your mind unless you open the doors. They don't have any power unless you give them the power. So somewhere there's this guy, this guy, he's been suffering with demons who are tormenting him. Why? Because somewhere, because of deception and manipulation of the devil, somewhere he has opened his life to demons. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about somebody who was sinning so bad in the church. He was sinning so bad that he was bringing so much of chaos and confusion in the church. Paul says like this, you need to discipline that guy. And the highest form of discipline in the church is to hand them over to the devil. The highest form of discipline in the church is to hand them over to the devil. That's what 1 Corinthians 5 verse 5 says. Hand him over to the devil. Why? The maximum the devil can do with a born again believer is take your life. That's the maximum you can do. But at least your soul, your spirit will be saved. If he's causing problem, if he's creating divisions, kill him. (laughs) Hand him over to the devil. A devil, see, I'm, I'm trying to make you understand. The devil... The devil, the maximum that he can do is bring problems into your life. The maximum that he can do is take your life. But he cannot steal your eternal destiny. He cannot do that. That's the maximum he can do. The maximum he can do is make you fall into sin and get you into addictions and get you trapped in shackles and chains. That's the maximum that he can do. To a point that you lose out on your physical life. That's a maximum, but you can never lose your eternal salvation, because it's secured in Christ. That's the maximum you can do. But my question is, you know, if today I was saying, for example, I, I take a name, right, and we want to discipline him, and he says, you know, this person has gone way, way beyond how much we can handle. Let's give him, give him over to the devil. How many of you would be happy? You'd be terrified. Right? Wouldn't you be terrified if somebody, if you get to know, just, just imagine, if you get to know that your name was announced in the church and everybody came together and prayed and gave you over to the devil, wouldn't you be terrified? Wouldn't you be terrified? But isn't the same that we do with our own lives? Nobody else does that. But do, don't we give ourselves to the devil by opening our minds let letting our minds be the playground for the devil to play cricket he throws these thoughts and emotions and negative things and we end we keep entertaining him we keep entertaining him it's the same effect that that we have it's like being handed over to the devil why do we keep entertaining him today take a decision i'm i'm I want to empower each one of us so that we can we can take a decision that this mind is this mind belongs to Jesus and I will not let this be a playground for the devil and the demons. This mind belongs to Jesus. My emotions, my thoughts, everything that comes out of this mind is Christ-centered. It belongs to Jesus. Okay, so protect your mind today by His word and let's. Let's God's peace guard your hearts. Now, before I tell you this story, there's a context to the story. Which is, Jesus comes to this country of Gerasenes by boat. He's coming by boat with his disciples. Okay? I want to quickly go through that passage because it lays some context. And I believe it is, it is, it is prophetic for the season that we are in. So, verse 22 Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day, he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, what did he say? Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. One day, right? Jesus tells his disciples, come on, get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. See, I want you to understand, when Jesus is going to the other side, he's making an intentional choice. It's an intentional decision. He has something in his mind planned. He makes an intentional choice to sit on the boat and go with his disciples. Are you with me? Okay. So who said, whose idea was it to go to the other side of the lake? Jesus. Verse 23. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in danger. What happened? Jesus fell asleep. Jesus is in the boat. He was the one who had this idea and Jesus is in the boat and he fell asleep. But there's this windstorm that is happening and these disciples who are with Jesus, now they are scared because it's, it's getting intense. It's storm. It's storm. It's crazy. It's like it's threatening our lives. It's intense. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. As long as Jesus is on your boat, You don't have to be afraid. Even if he's sleeping. But if Jesus is not on your boat, (laughs) you better be afraid. (laughs) Yeah, as long as Jesus is on your boat. Amen. Verse 24. What did they do? And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind. Say with me, he rebuked the wind. See, He was sleeping. If I was sleeping and you wake me up, my goodness, you will get rebuked. Okay? You can't disturb me from my sleep. But look at Jesus. He's sleeping. The disciples wake him up. Jesus does not rebuke the disciples first. He does rebuke them later, but he does not rebuke them first. What does he do? He rebukes the wind. So even if you wake Jesus up from his precious sleep, even when you are stupid, And you do something ridiculous. Jesus will not rebuke you first. He will rebuke the storm that you are facing. Isn't that amazing? He will deliver you from the problem. And then he will talk to you. See what did he do? He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm. See. The storm is made of water and wind. But all that you see is the water. You don't see the wind that is behind it. Can anybody see the wind? You can only feel the wind. The only thing that you see is the water, with the water. But Jesus does not rebuke the water. He rebukes the wind. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, He says, We do not fight against flesh and blood. Yes, you know, it might seem that the problems, that the storm that is coming against you, that the circumstances that is coming against you, it might come in the form of a human It can come in the form of a situation. It can come in the form of a circumstances. But that is is just water. There is a power behind that water that is enabling it to be a storm. Without the wind, that water is calm. It's the wind that makes that water storm. That's what Jesus saw. He saw the water, but he saw the wind that is acting behind the water. And he said, hey, I rebuke you. So many times when we get hurt, we are rebuking the water, right? They come in the form of people and man, this fellow is so, he's so ridiculous, you know. I want to, I want to kill him. But he's not the problem. Say with me, we do not fight against flesh and blood. We do not fight against flesh and blood. It might seem that the people are the problem. The people are the issue. The circumstances are the issue. There's a power behind them that is enabling them to do that. There's a power behind them that is influencing them to do that. It's not the people. So if you just keep rebuking the water, you have to rebuke the wind. You have to rebuke the wind behind the water. I have seen this 100% in the church, when people have a problem with me, you know, our default setting is to rebuke that person, right? Default setting is to do that. But whenever I have gone back into my rooms and have rebuked the wind, I have rebuked the power of darkness, I have seen restoration happen immediately. Because they are not the problem, they are being influenced. They are also victims just like you. They are being influenced. They are being oppressed. So rebuke the wind. Yes, the water is what you see, but rebuke the wind. When you face challenges of any sort, rebuke the wind. Rebuke the wind. The other thing that I want to say is when you are on the boat, you know you are facing these storms. The, the temptation is to escape that storm by going back. The temptation is to escape the storm to go back. But can I tell you this? The energy that will take for you to go back is the same energy that will take for you to go forward. It's the same energy. We want to escape these circumstances. We want to escape these storms. But it's the same energy that will take for you to just face the storms and go forward. So why not go forward? Rebuke the wind. Go forward. Because on the other side... There's an assignment for you. The storm is a proof. Storm is a proof that you're on the right path. The challenge is a proof that you're on the right path. Losing momentum is a proof that you're on the right path. Because there's an assignment on the other side. On the other side of the lake. There's an assignment for you. You're just going to witness the glory of God. That's why the storm. All that the devil is doing is to distract your mind is to distract you so that you can escape the storm, you can go back. But there's an assignment, there's a greater level of glory that God wants to release. And I believe that for the church. I do believe that. All the storms that we are facing, I do believe that it is for us to step into the greater level of glory that God has for us. Amen? Let's read. Where were we? Verse 24. Verse 25. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands, even winds and water, and they obey him? Now read next to us. Verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasians, which is opposite Galilee. They finally arrived. They finally arrived. Finally arrived to the assignment that Jesus had for them. Right, verse twenty-seven. When Jesus has stepped out on the land, they met him. A man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but among the tomb. I want. I want you to jump and read verse twenty-nine. Uh, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for many a time. It had seized him. Look at this. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. See, this this person who was demon-possessed, I want you to see the signs. Okay, The signs of a person who is demon-possessed. He wore no clothes. What's the second one? He did not live in a house. He was isolated. He did not live in with his family and his friends. He was isolated. Third, he was living in tombs. Fourth, he was chained and he was shackled. And 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 these demons would break the chains, but they would drive him to a desert, a desert. Desert is a place of isolation. That, those are the signs of a demon-possessed man. The first person, you know, the first person, the first sign, or or, or let me say it like this, The devil attacks you when you are the most vulnerable. He attacks you when you are the most vulnerable. And you are the most vulnerable when you are not in your house. When I am saying when you are not in your house, I mean when you are not with people. With godly people who can cover you. He will isolate you first and then kill you. Isolation is his strategy. Right? So, what what was this guy doing? He was wearing no clothes because he was living in shame and he was living in insanity. This person, the extreme of demonic influence over his life was, you know, there was no separation of his mind with the mind of the demons. They became one. You see how badly influenced he was? That there was no separation in his mind, he could not say which one, which thoughts were his, which thoughts were the demons, because he's become one with the demons. He's been isolated, he's not living with his friends and families. He's been living in, in, in desert and he's living under in, in tombs where he can only see death and decay. Think about the depravity of that mind, think about the condition of that mind. And Jesus has come here to deliver him. Luke 8, verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried and he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Who's crying out? His mind and the demons have become so one, it is he who is crying out. He's saying, hey, why are you tormenting me? But Jesus was not there to torment him. Jesus was there to release the demons. You see how his identity has become so twisted, has become so heavily influenced by the demons that the darkness has taken complete foothold over his life. And he can't bear Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. He can't bear. There's so much of darkness that when you encounter light, you know, it feels like torment. Torment. But can I say something, that torment is for good, that pain is for good, so that what is not of the kingdom can be shaken off, what is not of God can be taken off, anything that is not of the kingdom should be amputed, amputated, it does not belong to you. And this person is feeling that torment. why? Because he's experiencing the light, but he is so full, his mind is so depraved, and he's so full of darkness that it feels like torment, even though it's a process of deliverance and healing. Do you see that? So I'm telling you, healing and deliverance is, is, is not a... how do I say? it's not a bed of roses. It is not. It is painful, it is tormenting, it feels tormenting in the journey, even though. The beauty is you can be delivered and healed perfectly. Yeah? Now read with me. Next verse. Where are we? Verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not, come, do not torment me. Why, why was he saying that? Verse 29. For Jesus, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Because Jesus has asked the unclean spirit to come out of the man. This fellow, he's so tormented. He's so tormented. You know, do you know that we can be so heavily influenced by demons to a point that we don't want to get out of that sin, that sickness, We can get so influenced by the devil that we don't want to leave that place of darkness. We might know it theologically and spiritually that, yeah, you know, yeah, light is where I want to live. But there can be a place where we can be so influenced that it feels like, yeah, this is fine. Why should I fight against this? This is okay. Okay. Now when Jesus has commanded the unclean spirit to come out, now he feels the torment, he feels the heat. Now see, you might be saying, "Why? why am I talking about demon possession? Because we are all born again Christians, none of us can be possessed by the devil. That is true, you cannot be possessed by the devil, but you can be oppressed by the devil to a point that you don't know that you're being oppressed. You can be oppressed, you can be influenced by the devil... Do you know Jesus looked at Peter and he said, get away from me you devil. Do you know that? There's so many times that we are so influenced by the devil that we do things influenced by him. The devil has not, he does not need to possess us but he can influence our minds and our thoughts and our emotions by giving these random ideas and we can be influenced by them. Thinking that we are doing great stuff. When Peter, you know, see, when Jesus rebuked Peter, get get away from me, Satan, Peter was telling something that he thought it was a good thing because Jesus said he was going to be crucified. Peter said, no, 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 I will not let you die. So Peter thought it was a good thing. But Jesus saw the wind. He saw the wind. He saw the wind behind those words and he said, get away from me, devil. Do you see that? the philosophies of the world might seem good or from the outset you know it might seem oh it's a very inclusive philosophy wow it's it's for everybody equality and it feels so good only from the outset there's a wind behind it there's a wind behind it that only the one who have discernment can see it see see what jesus says matthew 16 okay Matthew 16, Jesus rebukes him saying, far be it from you. Oh, this is not Jesus, Peter. Peter says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. So Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Why? Why is he a hindrance? Listen to this very carefully. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of But on the things of? Are you here with me in this room right now? Can you see that verse? What does it say? For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but you are setting your mind on the things of? Come on. Louder, guys. Things of man. Jesus does not say, because you've set your minds on the things of devil, that's why you're acting like the devil. He says, because your mind is on the things of Man. It's on the things of man. It's a human thought. A human fleshly thought is always influenced by demons. It's either you're influenced by God or you're influenced by the devil. And Jesus is saying, because you've been so influenced by these human traditions, human philosophy, that on the outset it feels good. It looks like, you know, man... Christian churches are so judgy, but look at these people. They are so inclusive and they are all for everybody and equality and democracy and socialism. Man, this looks so good, but I'm telling you, there's a wind behind it. There's a wind behind it. Paul says in Romans 8, the flesh is always hostile to God the mind set on the flesh is always hostile to god these world philosophies and traditions of man they are always hostile to god because they are influenced by the wind influenced by the wind are you with me still do not be conformed to the pattern of this world Do not be conformed to the pattern of this age. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the culture and times that you are living in. But he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation begins by changing your mind. Transformation always begins with your mind. If you're seeking transformation in your bodies, if you're seeking transformation in your circumstances, if you're seeking transformation in the, in, the, in the things that you're going through, if you're seeking transformation in your career, it always begins with your mind. First John 2 verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone, say with me, anyone, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's talking about you can either be in the world or you can either set your mind on things of God. If your mind is not set on things of God, if it is on the world, you will be influenced by demons and the devil. Demons necessarily don't have to possess you, but they can oppress you by influencing you. And you know, these influences, they initially, they are very subtle influences unless you say yes and they become bigger and bigger and bigger over time to a point where you realize, where you can't even begin to differentiate between things of God and things of man, things of God and things of devil. You can't even begin to differentiate between light and darkness. That's why I'm telling you guys, don't isolate yourself. Isolation is the worst thing that you can do to yourself. Because the moment you isolate, sin of shame, sin of guilt, sin of fear and sin of hatred, they take over us so much that we begin, we begin to become insensitive to the voice of God. Everything looks good on the outside because you are following these human traditions and philosophy and it looks okay. So stay connected, stay connected to the house of God. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of God. Those who are planted will flourish. Will flourish. Don't be isolated. Okay, come back. Luke chapter 8. Where were we? We are at verse 29. Verse 30. Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Now now look at this. Then when people came to see what had happened, they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right man, and they were afraid. The sign of a renewed mind is that you are sitting at the feet of Jesus. That you're sitting at the feet of Jesus without feeling tormented. That's the sign of a renewed mind. If you're at the feet of Jesus and you're feeling torment, it's because your mind has not been renewed. So stay there. Stay there. It's okay. Go through that torment. Go through that pain. It's okay. Because Jesus can command the unclean spirit to get out. Can command any unclean thing that is there in your life to get out. So Don't leave because the temptation is, oh, because this is a torment, maybe this is not the right place for me to be. So the the temptation is to leave this place and escape and not not look at that issue. Stay there. Because the sign, the sign that you are renewed is you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, but you're completely calm. You're not feeling tormented. And you're clothed. See the stark difference from shame to glory, from insanity to sanity, from being tormented into peace. What's the the answer? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's the answer. Verse 36. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasins asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city, How much Jesus had done for him. Now tell me something. Before we began, didn't I tell you that Jesus got into the boat and told his disciples? He was making an intentional choice to go to the other side. He reaches the other side. He delivers this person. And now the people have come and they are afraid. So they tell him, Jesus, you have to leave this place. And Jesus leaves this place. How long was Jesus there for? Maybe a couple of hours. Do you you realize the kind of challenges that they had to face to come here just to be there for a couple of hours? Why is Jesus taking all these efforts? Why is he making so much of effort in just coming, facing the challenges of the storm, and you know, listening to the hypocrite complaints of the disciples and dealing with his own people? It was challenging for Jesus. But he's there just for a couple of hours and he returns. Why? Do you know why? Do you know why? Read with me, Matthew. Sorry, Mark. Mark chapter 5 verse 20. It's the same portion in Mark. But it says like this, this man who was demon possessed and he was delivered. It says, and he went away and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis. Decapolis is another word for ten cities. Ten cities, okay? To proclaim in the ten cities how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Do you know why Jesus took the boat, faced all the challenges, came here, delivered the person and he left and he told the man, you don't have to follow me, just go and tell people what the Lord has done. Do you know why Jesus did that? Because Jesus discerned the calling upon this man. The calling upon this man was to be an evangelist for ten cities. The devil saw that. So the devil came with everything that he had to distract him. To distract him from his purpose. So the devil came and he told him, Hey, you're not worthy. You are, you, you, you're you're not educated. You don't have it in you to fulfill God's purpose. And look at the depravity of his mind. But here Jesus comes facing all the storms and challenges because he knows that he is an evangelist who can proclaim the gospel to 10 cities. Look at the wind, see what God has for you. If the devil is attacking you today, it's a sign because he has seen something that you probably haven't. He has seen something that has been released over your life that you probably haven't. So look at the wind and declare God's goodness. What does Jesus tell this man? Jesus tells this man, Hey, don't, don't, don't come because your assignment is here in the ten cities. Just keep proclaiming the goodness of the Lord. Just keep proclaiming what the Lord has done. Just keep proclaiming that. Why is the devil coming against us? To destroy you, to steal, kill and destroy. Because he realizes the destiny that each one of you have. He realizes the great destiny each one of you have. So the closer you get to the purpose of your destiny, the closer it feels like you might get activated into your destiny, the demons will come hard at you. They will come with everything that they have. But if only you see is the water, if only that you see is the storm and the circumstances that you're going through, you'll be distracted. You'll be complaining. You'll be disoriented. But look at the wind. Look at the wind. They're coming because they sense a great power that has been released over your life. They're coming because they sense a great destiny that has been released over your life. On the other side is the next level of glory that is awaiting for you. Sit at the feet of Jesus today. Sit at the feet of Jesus today. Even if it feels tormenting for a little time, sit at the feet of Jesus. Do you feel restlessness when you close your eyes and when you want to pray? Do you feel that restlessness? You know why you feel the restlessness? Because you are at the right place. You are at the right place. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there till you find calm. Stay there because Jesus, Jesus wants to deliver you, wants to make you whole, wants to purify you, wants to cleanse you, wants to sanctify you. He wants, he, His intention for you is good. So even if you feel restless, even if you feel tormented, even if you feel, no, this is, this is not for me, it feels painful. Just stay there because it is just for a momentary pain just for a moment but once Jesus sets you free, my goodness you can sit there for hours you can be at peace you can be at peace I just want to encourage you by saying the storm that you are facing today don't look at the storm be at rest, don't look at the storm just look at the other side the other side where the glory of the Lord is to be revealed The storm is a sign, the storm is a sign that glory of God awaits for you. The next level of glory, the next level of assignment waits for you. Every time this assignment gets over, a new assignment is given. Every time an older assignment finishes, a new level of assignment is given because you have been faithful in what God has given you. So when the demons come against you, they are not coming because you have lost it and you are on the wrong path. No, no, no. Because, because the demons know what you carry, that's why they are against you. So take a moment just to rejoice. Like Isaiah says, Sing out, oh you barren woman. Sing out you, those who have no children. For many will be your children than the ones who have children. Sing out, sing out during these storms, sing out during these circumstances because you the storm is a proof that God has released something over your life. The storm is a proof. Don't let your emotions get wavered. Look at Jesus, sit at, sit at the feet of Jesus. Even if Jesus is sleeping, be assured the storm does not have the power to take over. The storm is just for the show. That's why I think it is Peter who says, you know, be vigilant, be, be, be alert, be vigilant for the, for the devil is like a roaring lion. He is like a roaring lion, he's not a lion. He's there just to scare you by his roar. That's the f- maximum that he can do. The storm is just to scare you. But be at rest. Be at the feet of Jesus, sit at the feet of Jesus, knowing that if there's anything inside of you that needs help, Jesus can deliver. But if the storm is coming to kill you, Jesus will calm the storm. Amen? Rebuke the wind. See the wind behind the water. See the wind behind these challenges and rebuke. Come on, close your eyes. And I want you to respond to this word. I want you to receive this word for yourself. In whatever circumstances that you're going through, whatever storms that you are, ch- you are facing today, Let not the sin of guilt, let not the sin of fear, let not the sin of hatred and shame take over. Rebuke the wind. Rebuke the wind. Open your mouths and rebuke the wind. Command. You don't have to beg today. You don't have to beg at the wind to leave. Rebuke the wind. You're the child of the Most High God. Rebuke the wind. Come on, open your mouths, guys. Open your mouths. Worship Jesus and rebuke the wind. Submit to Jesus and rebuke the wind. Knowing that Jesus is the Lord of your lives, rebuke the wind. Knowing that your lives are surrendered to Jesus, rebuke the wind. Power of darkness and, the, and light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place. You are the light because the Holy Spirit is shining in and through you, so rebuke the wind. Rebuke the wind. Rebuke the wind. Pray. Don't delay. Don't faint. Pray. Rebuke the wind. Father, we speak in the name of Jesus with the authority that you have given to us. We rebuke the power of darkness. We rebuke the power of darkness. We rebuke the power of darkness because this place belongs to Jesus. Because we declare that this house belongs to Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of this house. We declare that this heart belongs to Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of this heart. Jesus is the Lord of this mind. Come on, if you're facing family problems today, declare, Jesus, you are the Lord of my family. Jesus is the Lord of my family. So devil has no place. Has no place in my house. I declare and I decree that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. Yes. We worship you. We worship you. Worship. Jesus, you are exalted. We exalt you more than anything and everything. We exalt you more than any tradition or philosophy. Jesus, you are the Lord. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this word and we believe that this word is a Rima word. Is a now word for us. So we receive it. And we declare, we declare, we declare. That we will rise above the storm. And we will still praise you and worship you. Even through the storm. Because your Bible says. Yea, do I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I will look into the eyes of evil and say. For God. My father, my Abba. My creator. Is with me. He comforts me. He comforts me with his staff and his rod. He comforts me. Father, I just release your spirit of peace over everyone today who is listening to the voice, who is listening to this word. Father, I speak your peace. Let your peace, let your peace that transcends all understanding take over. Take over. Take over.